you renew. Every new day you restore. And Jesus, I pray that today in this moment we would not only know your presence, God, but it will be grounded deep in our hearts and in our souls the reality that Jesus, you are the Saviour. Lord God, that it wasn't something you did once upon a time for one group of people 2,000 years ago, but Jesus, your salvation is a daily event in our lives, Lord God. It's something we step into new every new morning. And Jesus, I pray that even today we might be restored in the knowledge that you are our constant, never-failing Saviour. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Praise God. Our God is good. You can take a seat. You know, can, can I just say again how awesome it was to, to gather with so many people across our campuses yesterday to smash out the final week of Blocktober. It was awesome. Can we, can we thank everyone again for that? It was so cool. But, but one of the genuine highlights for me, Dean, you're going to love this story. One of the genuine highlights for me is that at a particular moment during the day, uh, another person borrowed my car to do a run to Marawa to get some mulch. And as they were driving, they had an encounter with one of our youth pastors. Now, the youth pastor in question has a certain familiarity with me, which I love, and he assumed that I was driving the car. And as he was leaving, pulling out of the, the church, building, he he turned to the person who was driving my car, remember it's not me, and he kind of gave it this gesture with the the coincide, yeah, come on, smoke it up, smoke it up. And it turned out that it was one of our elders, David Shawcross, driving the car. So, so Dean, if you have an unusual story coming your way, like, Dean, uh, I just want to talk about one of the youth pastors here. He's, you know, encouraging me to tear it up on the front lawn at Mullaloo. I don't know if it's but anyway, we, we had a lot of fun yesterday doing, doing some great work around the place at both of our campuses. So thanks again to, to everyone that was involved. You know, one of the things for me over, over the last, say, year or two in my journey of faith has been, has been asking this question. What does it mean to have depth in my experience of faith? You know, you might remember that, that a little while ago, Pastor Dean led us through, through a series of prayers that deepen. And this idea that our prayer life is profoundly connected to the experience of faith that we have in our daily lives. That our prayer life actually influences and shapes our life of faith. That they're, they're completely connected. And this morning, I want to speak into this idea once again here at True North Church of prayers that deepen. And, and in a moment, we're, we're going to get into to a passage of scripture from Colossians. But before I do that, I, I want to kind of talk around this idea of prayer for a moment. So for, for most of us, if we placed our faith in Jesus, our faith in God, prayer is something that we do. For, for lots of people, even if they haven't placed their faith in Jesus, at certain, certain moments and occasions in life, prayer will be triggered. And, and often they can be not the, the most pleasant moments. So I kind of think about what motivates me to pray? Why do I pray? What are the types of prayer? prayers that I pray. And the first kind of prayer that I think about in my own life, I'm going to call the genie prayer. 
The Genie Prayer. Now, I'll, I'll admit that earlier this week I watched Disney's Aladdin and it has some, somehow shaped my understanding of this kind of prayer. But, but the Genie Prayer, when you think, who, who's seen Disney's Aladdin? What, you have one of the real classics in the 90s revival of Disney. It's a, it's a shame Joshua Hegland couldn't have been here. He would love this moment in the service. Uh, but, but anyway, we, in Aladdin, there, there's a genie. And really, the role of the genie is to grant your every wish. Of course, there's only three, and there's some other rules there that Aladdin lays out, like you can't make someone fall in love. What are the other ones? You can't, you can't wish someone... I can't wish for more wishes. That's covering the bases right. But anyway, so, so we've got this idea of the genie prayer, which essentially is me from my will coming up with a desire and then saying, God, would you do this in my life? This is what I'd call a genie prayer. Its origin, its motivation is in my own desires. Now, my own desires can range from purely selfish to quite Christ-like when we think about that motivation. It could be things like, God, would you put my baby to sleep? <laughs> Dear Jesus, <laughs> would you put him to sleep? <laughs> We've been in those places. Now, that's a self-motivated prayer where I'm saying, God, in your incredible power, would you move to do this thing that I really want and would be nice for my life? Or it could be, God, would you start my car? It's just not turning over. i got to get home. Would you just help that thing turn over? All these kind of prayers are prayers where we kind of put God in this place that's a little bit like a genie. And we say, God, we recognize you're all powerful. Now, how can I leverage that for what I'm all about? This is the kind of prayer that is going to severely limit the depth of our faith if it is the only arena in which we pray. Now, like I said, they could be, it could be really selfish things. It could be really wholesome things on the behalf of others. But if the only arena in which we're praying is, God, would you do this for me? We're going to have a shallow experience of faith because I believe that prayer is the connection point between us and the fullness of what God has for us. So let's think about prayers that deepen. And we're going to go to Colossians, an awesome passage of Scripture in Colossians 1, verse 9 to 15. And, and I love this because it's a moment where Paul, alongside with Timothy, writes a letter of encouragement to a group of believers in a city called Colossae, to a group of believers that have said, I've decided to follow Jesus. And because of that, Paul and Timothy write to encourage them, to pray for them, to pray fullness over them, to pray strength into them. Now, here's what I love about how the Bible works, that the Bible isn't just a letter from once upon a time from one person to another person, but the Holy Spirit has actually ordained and preserved that scripture, that letter in our Bible so that that promise and that prayer could be received not just for that church at that time, but for the church in all time. So that when we approach this scripture, we don't approach it like it's a letter that someone wrote once upon a time. We approach it as if it's a promise that's being prayed over our church today. Can we say amen? amen? Now, are you ready to engage with scripture with that point of view? Because it shapes how we read it, doesn't it? Let's get it on the screens. 
For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God. Can I just stop for a moment? First two things we see. We have not stopped. We pray continually. There's this picture already that the life of prayer in the believer is a constant companion. That each new day, that in every moment, as constant as Jesus is our saviour, prayer needs to be in our life. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. I'm going to need you, Charlie. I haven't memorized this one. (laughs) Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has, look at these words, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and he has brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. This is a prayer for our church. This is a prayer for your life today. You want to take us back to the start of this incredible passage of Scripture and what Paul and Timothy are trying to communicate. And they start with this idea of knowing and growing. Of knowing and growing. Let's go over those first couple of verses just again. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you, and here we go, with the knowledge of his will, through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that we would know the will of God, that we would know the will of God, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, that we would know the will of God so that we could grow in the life that God would call us to live. And then here we go again, so that we could grow again in the knowledge of God. Now there's a spiral here to what Paul's communicating. Anyone familiar with a downward spiral? You know, a downward spiral. Anyone experienced one of those? And it's just tra- like, for example, you're, you're going home from work one day and you think, I should, I should go to the gym, I should do some exercise. And as you're driving there, you think, I'm a little bit hungry. I think I need something just to get me through this workout. And you see the McDonald's sign. And you're like, I'm just going to get a cheeseburger. That's going to get me through this workout. Then you get to the drive-thru and you think, actually, I'm pretty hungry. I better go a Big Mac. And then you order the Big Mac. And, and then the young person there says, would you like a meal? And you're like, oh you know what, I think I would. And then they say, would you like it to be a large meal? And the spiral keeps going down. I say, okay, make it a large. And then they say, would you like a McFlurry with that? And I'm like, who asks that in drive-thru? It's like you want me to fail at life. And I say, give me the McFlurry. I'm just going to keep this thing rolling. And you're eating it all, and then you, you get near to where the gym is, and you've almost finished everything. You're like, oh, I'm stuffed. I'm just going home. <laughs> now, this may or may not be a real-life story in <laughs> one of my afternoons last week. <laughs> but that's a downward spiral. What Paul's talking about here is a wonderful reverse. It's an upward spiral. 
of growing in the depth of what it means to live a life of fullness in God. Here's what he says, that as we come to know more of God's will, how do we do that? We ask for it. In our prayer life, we say, God, I want to know your will for my life. I don't just want to pray and ask you for my desires. God, I want to know what your will is for my life. And then we we start to get a picture of that so that we can have the opportunity to actually walk in his will for our life. And the spiral keeps going so that when we begin to walk in the will of God in our life, we can actually understand in a deeper level the will of God in our life. And it keeps spiraling up and up and up. You know where shallowness in faith happens? And this is something I've experienced in my own life. Is that when we come to know God's will in our life, and instead of making the step to grow into God's will in our life, we say, I think that's a bit too tough. I think I'm going to stop off and grab a Big Mac instead. Then I'm going to make it large, throw in a McFlurry, M&M's. And we say, I'm not prepared to make the jump from knowing God's will to growing my life into God's will. And then the depth of our faith stays right there. But then when we choose to say, I'm not just going to know God's will for my life, I'm not just going to seek God's will for my life, but I'm going to begin to walk in God's will for my life. And then Paul says, and when we do that, we come to understand with even more depth the knowledge of God in our life. You know, that's the kind of faith that I want to be challenged to live. That's a prayer that's being prayed over us as a church this morning. You know, what would it look like in your life to take hold of that idea and say, God, would you show me your will for my life? Would you reveal in me your desires in my life? i got plenty of my own desires. We can talk about those another time. But God, would you reveal in me your desires in my life? We're going to head over to verse 11. Now, occasionally in Scripture, I get to verses where I feel like the only natural response in a crowd like this is a real healthy grunt or a real healthy, come on. Now, actually, it reminds me of yesterday. One of, the, one of the jobs we were doing here was ripping out a whole bunch of trees along one of the garden beds. And, and it was one of, you know when trees just don't want to leave the garden bed in? It, it was that whole deal. I don't know what was going on. I don't know if one lunchtime you were down there, Dean, and you just cursed those trees because they weren't bearing fruit. Because we were getting into that, I'm like, this tree has grown straight from hell and it's not leaving. And I, I can't, sorry, I'm getting a little overdramatic there. I do that sometimes. And, and anyway, I kind of kind of made this thing, uh, made this deal that, that when we finally got all the roots cut and hoisted that clump of roots out of the ground, you had to give it a big, meaty yell, come on, and kind of throw it into the bin as if you just vanquished an enemy, which I had. Now, admittedly, uh, I couldn't get Jill Gaff to kind of align with me with that distinct yell as we were working on that together. If you don't know Jill, she's one of the lovely ladies uh, here at our church, and uh, she's fantastic. But anyway, we were were working away, pulling this down, and it's all about this grunt when you get to this incredible moment. And and I, I hear this verse, and there's something in my soul which just resonates with what Paul is reminding me, what Paul is reminding me about who Jesus is. So knowing, growing, knowing. Verse 11, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. Come on. 
being strengthened, not in according to who I am, not in according to the people around me, but being strengthened in accordance to who Jesus is. You know, there's power in that. When we start to see a picture of Jesus as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and we hold on to a promise that says, I am being strengthened in my life of faith in accordance to that picture of Jesus, well, I am going to connect myself to that promise. So that you may have great endurance and patience. You know, most of us know in the, the journey of faith, there are, there are times that require endurance in the soul. There are, there are times that require patience in the heart. There are times where, where our natural response in the presence of God is to waver, is to, is to maybe doubt, is to maybe say, God, where are you in this? But here's what Paul's speaking to. When we're strengthened in accordance to the picture of Jesus, we can navigate the moments that require endurance and patience in our soul. When we're not connected to Jesus, we're going to struggle to do that in those moments that require endurance in the soul. You know, Dean mentioned we've, we've got a, a little boy, Luke, who's four weeks old, and, uh, and, and he's, he's a gorgeous little boy. We've also got another little boy called Caleb, and he's a little bit older. I think he's about 19 months now, uh, maybe 20 months. They just keep growing. It's this thing with kids. They get older every couple of months. And, uh, and anyway, he's, uh, he, he loves apples. That's kind of his thing. He loves apples. It's one of the first words he ever learned to say. He doesn't quite say it right. You know, we would pronounce it apples. He kind of says, Appa which is super cute, but not really right, so I, I'll help, help him with that. But, but anyway, he, he loves apples, and he will get an apple, and he will literally, literally destroy the entire thing. I'm talking core. I don't know where that little stick bit goes, but that is gone as well. I'm hoping he spits that out, but the entire thing is gone. Now, this is going to push the boundaries of what you can say at church, but I have found the stickers in his poo. <laughs> he eats the entire thing. What, what do you reckon? Was that too far? It's just a bit, bit on the nose, but okay. We, we, you know, parents, we've been there. You find fun things from time to time. And so he'll get it out, and he will just eat that entire thing. But he absolutely loves them. And, and one of the funny things that I notice about him is that, say we're at a park, and, and he happens to have an apple. He'll, he'll run around to the different pieces of equipment, holding that out, and he kind of holds it out like this as he's running around. You can imagine like a little toddler doing that. And, and every now and again, he'll have a stumble. He'll have a trip. And instead of dropping the apple and breaking his fall, he hits the deck with the apple held high and face plants on the floor. It's like nothing else matters as long as this apple is held high and away from the floor. And he hits the deck. And I, I swear, if it was a moment where he wasn't holding an apple and he went down like that, there'd be tears everywhere. But when he's got the apple, it's a like, boom. I'm like, geez, that must have hurt. And he just gets back up, takes a bite of his apple, and keeps going. Now, there's a simple, simple picture there in the life of a child that just really loves his apple. But I think about what it means to be strengthened by Christ in my life. For the season that requires endurance, when we hit the deck and we get knocked on our butts, when we go down, do we hold Jesus up? to the expense of everything else. I don't care if I'm going to hit the floor harder, Jesus. If I hold on to you, 
I'm going to get myself back up because I've got you in my life. Strengthened according to who you are. Because the temptation is when we fall to let go. The temptation is to, when we fall to let go and to say, I just, need a, I just need to survive this experience. I just need both my hands free to, to navigate myself. That's a natural response. But when we have a picture of the glorious might of our Savior, we realize that no matter how quickly I'm hitting the deck, if I just hold on to Jesus, I'm going to pick myself back up. I'm going to have endurance in my faith according to the way I'm connected to Christ. I want to finish this morning by heading into verse 13. Sorry, verse 12. We're going to talk about joyful thanks. Joyful thanks. And giving joyful thanks to the Father. Check out these key words again. This is what God has done in our lives. This is what Jesus has done in our lives. Giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you. He's qualified me to share in the inheritance of his holy people, the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us. He's rescued me from the dominion of darkness and brought us. He's brought you. He's brought me with him into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That's our constant saviour. Yeah, one of the things that, that I love about Dean, you guys, you guys know Dean, he was up here earlier. One, one of the things I love about Dean is that, that he's a person of encouragement. And, and in particular, when he encourages, he does it in a really specific way. Have you ever met someone like that, that they'll, they'll encourage you? And, and they'll say exactly why. This is why you're awesome, Phil. This is why I just can't, you know, it doesn't... I, that was going to be a nice moment, then I took it in a different direction. But, but like, no, th- this is something that Dean does really well. He say, this is why what you just did was so good. The, you know, this is why that, that thing that you did, that thing that you did, this thing that you did, that was awesome. And there's something powerful when we're encouraged by someone like that, that sees exactly what you have done and speaks it out and gives joyful thanks. You know, this is something we need to learn how to do in our prayer lives. To say, God, this is exactly what I have seen you have done. Jesus, this is exactly why I am praising you. Because, can we get that scripture back up? This is exactly why I'm praising you, Jesus. Because you have qualified me. You've rescued me. You've brought me with you. I have redemption. I'm forgiven. I'm renewed. I'm restored. And so I will give joyful thanks. You know, God doesn't have any security issues. He doesn't need to hear that from us like like we do sometimes. But you know what happens? When we give joyful thanks and we say, God, this is exactly what you've done, we take on the security of the Father. Because we are reminded about who he is. We're reminded about what he's done. And we take on the strength of who God is when we give joyful thanks to our Savior. I'm going to ask the team to to come and join us. So let's think about how all of this packages back into the arena of prayer in your life. What does prayer look like in your life? And I'll say it again. Prayer 
will determine the trajectory of your life of faith. What are the types of prayers that you're praying? Are you saying, God, help me to know your will in my life? Are you saying, God, help me to walk in your will and your will for my life? God, help me to then understand even more your will for my life. God, strengthen me according to who you are, that I might have endurance and patience. God, I'm, I'm wrestling with things I'd really rather not be wrestling with. But Jesus, show me a picture of your strength and provision so that even when I stumble, I know I'm holding on to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus, I just want to thank you for who you are, for what you've done. He's our constant saviour. And there will never be a day in my life that doesn't warrant praise from my lips to who Jesus is and what he's done. Where's that place of prayer in your life? How are you praying that into your life? How are you praying that into the lives of others? How are we praying that into our experience of what it means to be the church here at True North, soon to be at our Malaloo campus and at our Merrill campus? Jesus, that we would be strengthened according to your glorious might. That we'd never stop thanking you. We would never stop praising you. That we would know your will. That it wouldn't just be about what we think are good ideas, but it'd be about where you're leading us, what you're inviting us to be a part of. What's one thing you can do this week in your life of prayer to connect to the Father in a deeper way? Is it simply making the time? Is it praying these kind of prayers? Is it taking this scripture and saying, Jesus, I just want to pray this over my life? Because God's heart for each one of us is to experience depth in our faith. And prayer is the thing that connects us to the fullness of who God is. Can we stand together this morning? I'd love to pray fully read this scripture over us one last time recognizing again that the Holy Spirit of God preserved this passage of scripture for the church in all time in every location in every culture as a prayer of blessing as a prayer of encouragement I'd love it if you could just close your eyes and say God I want to know your will I want to know your will for my life and I'm going to read this scripture and then we're, we're going to finish in a song of worship Let me read it over you. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we, we have not stopped praying. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. Jesus, would you fill each person here with the knowledge of your will through all the wisdom and understanding that you give, Jesus, so that we may live a life worthy of you, that we might please you in every way, bearing fruit in every good work. And God, that we would grow even more in our understanding of who you are. Oh, Jesus, that we might be strengthened with all power according to who you are, to your glorious might. So you may, so each one of us, 
might have great endurance and patience. And Lord, that we would never, ever, ever stop giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Jesus, we worship you. We thank you, God. Let's sing together.